This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode of PodSAM, we're starting year two of the Summit Series. This leadership development program brings together industry leaders, the mentors, and 10 young managers from resorts across the U.S. and Canada for conversations on topics such as management skills, growth, and the future of the mountain resort industry. They gathered for six of these conversations, and following each one, did a deeper dive into a topic with resources and materials provided by Dr. Natalie Uwe, Program Director for Colorado State University's Graduate Certificate in Ski Area Management. The mentors this year include Rich Berkeley, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Aspen Skiing Company, Russ Calton, President of Hunter Mountain, New York, Ben Dornbus, General Manager of Nubs Knob, Michigan, Nadia Guerrero, former Vice President and General Manager of North Star California Resort, California, now Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Beaver Creek, Colorado, Peggy Hiller, Vice President of Operations at Arapahoe Basin, Colorado, Kim Locke, Vice President at Lake Louise, Alberta, Kim Mayhew, President and Chief Operating Officer at Solitude Mountain Resort, Utah, Jay Scambio, President and General Manager of Loon, New Hampshire, and Steve Wright, President and General Manager of J Peak, Vermont. And this year we have a very special guest mentor, Kelly Pollock, President and CEO of the National Ski Aries Association. This year we fielded questions from the mentees on each call. These 10 up and comers hail from both large and small resorts across the country. They are Parker Goki, Terrain Park Manager and Lift Supervisor at Mount Ashland, Oregon, Rick Herlihy, Revenue Manager of Snowshoe, West Virginia, Tess Hobbs, Assistant Director of Marketing, Snowbird, Utah, Eric Kurtzman, Sales Manager at Diamond Peak, Nevada, Christina Matson, Outdoor Programs Director at Suicide Six, Vermont, Colin Russell, Claims Manager for Vail Resorts, Hunter Steinkamp, Snow Sports Sales Manager, Crystal Mountain, Michigan, Greg Valerio, Bike Park and Mountain Sports Shop Manager, Wyndham, New York. Katie White, Children's Specialist Snow Sports Supervisor at Yellowstone Club, Montana. And Megan Wilcock, Marketing Manager of Mount Snow, Vermont. We'll be sharing the conversations between the mentors and mentees on six episodes of PodSAM and in the pages of SAM Magazine. If you haven't subscribed to both of these yet, you definitely should. As this was recorded from actual conference calls, there's the typical phone interference and such, but it's totally worth it. These conversations are facilitated by Paul Tallner of High Peaks Group. Paul is the program advisor on this program and the CEO and founder of High Peaks Group, a consultancy firm that helps leaders and organizations tackle the tough people challenges. Paul was an integral part of the development of the Summit Series program and serves as an advisor to our group of mentors, as well as serving as the facilitator for each of these conversations. The topic this episode, communication skills. Three mentors will share how they learn to talk the talk. The leaders sharing their knowledge on this episode are Steve Wright, President and General Manager of J Peak Resort in Vermont, Jay Scambio, President and General Manager of Loon Mountain, New Hampshire, and our special guest mentor, NSAA President Kelly Pollock. Let's dive in. 
appreciate the opportunity to facilitate this conversation about communication today. Communication, as uh, anyone who's been in an organization knows, is very important to ensuring that everything gets done in the way that it needs to in order for the business to succeed and, and thrive. And, and also, uh, for people to feel like they're making a contribution and that, they, that their time is, is well spent. So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, what makes for effective communication, why it's important, and with the mentors I'm going to be asking about their experience uh, doing it right and doing it not so right in the past. Uh, so hopefully uh, you all can start thinking a little bit about uh, some of those times uh, when communication for you uh, we've learned a thing or two. So uh, I really uh, think that communication is, is an important topic for, for any business. Um, and we'll, we'll try to uh, tease out a little bit of the details and when it's, you know, when challenges are actually about communication and when they're not, you know, sometimes communication gets, uh, gets a bad rap and gets blamed for things that, that uh, might not be the actual problem. So we'll, we'll tease that out as well. So uh, with that, I'd love to start uh, you know, we, we typically start by asking about your experience, mentors. So I'd love to start with our pinch hitter, Kelly. Uh, Kelly, if you if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to. You know, first of all, thank you for for jumping in. Uh, but also, this question, maybe you know, uh, you could reflect a little bit for us about your communication uh, style and what you learned along the way. Maybe share a story about. Uh, how you came to develop the communication style that you have uh, right now. Okay, thanks, Paul. Um, let's see. So um, I think that communication styles are really, really important. And when you go to meet with somebody, um, you really need to understand what their style is and you need to adjust to their style, figure out what motivates that person. If you can take part in any behavioral style type of tools that are out there, um, I think they're really beneficial, but I don't think they're necessary. So my rule of thumb is to prepare ahead and don't go in blind. So for instance, if you're gonna meet with somebody, let's say um, from finance or maybe research who you know is really um, driven by logic, you're gonna to have to give them more time. You're gonna to have to let them do some fact finding. And even if you're a doer, which that's kind of my style, um, I have to slow down and make sure that I'm respecting that person and their style. Um, but let's say I am meeting with um, somebody who likes to get things done, um, which tends to be a lot of people that we do meet in the ski industry. On that side, I'm gonna go in with all of my ducks in a row. I'm going to have everything uh, researched. I'm going to keep it to the point. I'm going to provide them lots of um, options or the options and let them make the decisions because I know that they're a do doer and that's what they like to, you know, um, do. So that's kind of how I approach the whole behavior style part of communication. That's great. Can I ask you a quick follow-up question on that? Um, Absolutely. So do you use the same strategy if you yourself are communicating out to a larger audience, say your your members or other other uh, constituent groups? Um, 
again, it, it depends. Um, if I if I have the opportunity to prepare for, let's say, um, professional ski instructors of America, I'm going to do again my homework, and um, I'm going to try to make sure that. I take my message and tailor it to them. But overall, when I'm speaking to a larger group, um, to a larger audience, let's say public speaking, uh, I think that brevity is really important uh, and you need to be clear and succinct in your me messages. Um, it doesn't mean that there aren't times when you're gonna have to go into detail. I also believe that layman's terms, um, putting things into a user-friendly term for either your customer or whoever you're speaking to is, is important. And, and don't know your audience and don't go too technical with terms or fancy words. I especially um, think this is important in talking to our staff who are customer facing. Drop the insider lingo. It's just not fair to our guests when we're, when we're using lots of acronyms like MBL is, Megan, you know this one, Main Base Lodge, say it. Lift 11. We talk in lifts, but they don't. Lift 11, instead of saying that in your snow report, say North Point Quad. Um, and I, I find that when you kind of um, take it down a notch and just put things into terms that are really user-friendly, um, there's more interaction and less people falling asleep. And um, don't be afraid to try it out on somebody before you go out and, and and speak in front of public because they'll point out what things you're rushing through or you didn't explain quite well. Thanks, Kelly. That's great. I really appreciate that. I'm going to come back to you with a question about uh, an, a time when you've done it wrong before you've done it right, so you can start thinking about that. <laughs> so, Jay, Jay, I'd love to hear uh, maybe your story about how you developed your communication style. Sure. I uh, I'd be honest in saying that I'll be honest in saying that I'm I'm still developing it. Um, I, I you know I think communication is something that you're constantly working on with as a person and then with your team. Um, and and in developing it, you have to you look back and you think about the things you've been doing and how how the interaction with that particular uh, team member. Um, or even if it's a vendor, a stakeholder, uh, a community representative, um, you know, how that actually went, you have to digest it and, and learn from the experience of, well, that didn't go very well. Um, Kelly mentioned using layman's terms. I'm, I'm big on that. I, I may be a character flaw, but I'm not a big technical word type person. Um, I, I like to keep it simple in, in communicating with people. Um, I, I think it helps get the message across uh, a little easier, um, well, at, at least most of the time. Um, so, you know, w working on it, uh, to me, it's a constant, uh, a constant project of, well, how well did that message get through? Um, I think when it comes to communication, you know, one of the worst things I think you can hear as a leader is, nobody ever told me that. and. It, it makes you want to pull your hair out sometimes when you hear those things. So for us, for me, communication is, is a huge part, probably the biggest part of our whole operation and how we function on a daily basis. And if somebody is missing, missing the, the knowledge that they need to do their job or to communicate to our guests, um, that's, that's a big, that's a big uh, failure right there. 
That's great. Just a just a quick follow up on that too. Uh, you you talked about constantly working on it. I think we're all works in progress, especially uh, well, not maybe not especially, uh, but including uh, the the mentees on the call. Um, for you, what does working on it look like? Oh, um, well, I you know I wouldn't say that I write things down or anything along those lines. I I, I just I. I, I think I like to um, look at my relationships with our team here and how how that relationship works. Communication is a big portion of that, whether it's verbal, you know, verbal communication, not not more, uh, so much email communication or text, but really getting to be able to actually sit down and have a conversation with people and take the take take the email portion out of it on how things can be construed. Um, so to, to me, uh, I think your question was, you know, how I how I work on it and what I do. Um, I, I, it's a mental note piece of how how well did the did the message that I was trying to get to whichever division it could be, marketing or operations, who knows? Um, but how well did that message get through? And then how successful were they in completing the task, the project, or or pushing the the message? Further down, further down the line. Great, thanks. Appreciate that, uh, Steve. Um, I, uh, thanks for thanks for being batting cleanup for us here. Uh, could you give sure. us a sense of uh, how you developed your communication style? Um, I mean, it, it's you know, like Kelly and, and Jay said, it's obviously uh, a process, and it's a, it's you know, at some point you become conscious of the process, and you and you start to work on it. I think. You know, for for me, it connects back to believing that that ultimately um, people want to be heard, um, whether they're employees of yours, people that you communicate up to laterally, stakeholders, like Jay said, um, and that connects that notion of that people want to be heard connects back to what we talked a little bit uh, last week in the in the leadership discussion, and the foundation of being a communicator, a good communicator builds builds on that. They, people want to be listened to. They want to be acknowledged. Um, and while I think good communication is, is certainly a two-way street as a leader, you as, you as that leader need to own more than 50% of that two-way street because you need to get your messages to connect and ultimately have impact. Um, so understanding that a conversation is two ways, you know, for me, I, I, like people i like working with them working for them uh managing them so using that as a as as kind of my foundation i've always looked for ways to improve the way i'm able to communicate and have uh have impact with folks you know when you start talking about styles i don't i don't know that i can put a, a word to it necessarily but um you know you can i guess you can coach or you can teach um if if Ultimately, if time isn't an issue, you can you can coach and sort of provide uh, you know a foundation uh, for the employee. Um, but essentially, it's their responsibility to sort of direct the plan of action. You're not doing it for them. If time ends up being an issue, then you can sort of uh, you adopt a teaching style that sort of lays out the steps to follow, um, and then explain sort of why it benefits them. And then, or you get into a situation where it's, you know, we're in an industry where there's a lot of time critical related things that we do and you get into sort of a directing style. Um, you know, I think that ultimately a good communicator will provide sort of a framework and not orders, but, you know, you get into situations where you have to direct where time is of the 
excuse me, time is of the essence and you have to sort of adopt that style. But, you know, I think for me, I, I feel like I'm constantly flipping between different styles depending upon the situation and really depending upon the audience. The PodSAM conversation continues after we thank PodSAM and Summit Series partner, Mountain Guard. How many skier visits are you doing? 5,000? 5 million? I'm going to guess it's probably somewhere in between. Specializing exclusively in insuring the ski industry since 1962, Mountain Guard has become the largest writer of ski resort insurance in North America. No matter your size, your resort needs the expertise and experience that Mountain Guard can provide. Click on over to mountainguard.com where you'll be able to make quick contact with their eastern or western experts. Customers know them as Tim Barnhorst, Tim Hendricks, and Bo Adams. www.mountainguard.com I'd love to maybe if you could share it, you know, put yourself back, you know, earlier in your career when you were maybe, you know, at a stage where our, our current mentees are, uh, you know, maybe you had, uh, uh, were given the opportunity to communicate something either broadly or to a team uh, and it didn't go so well. Uh, and you learned a lesson as a result of that. Uh, could you maybe share one of those uh, experiences with us? Kelly, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so I'll go uh, back to, and I, and I continue to make, <laughs> to make these mistakes, especially I've now transitioned from the resort um, leadership role to now working at a trade association. So everything is new. And I continue to um, make some of the same communication blunders. Um, but my story goes back to um, Jay's point of nobody ever told me that. Um, and that's where I think that over-communication is, is important, knowing those times when that approach is necessary, especially when you're launching something new or um, something new in mountain operations. I feel like it's, that's a time to take a step back over-communicate, come up with a, a plan of how you're going to tackle the job, especially with a, a plan for safety. Because if it's new, you may have to think about new ways to, to, to get around, to do that so it is safe. Um, so this particular um, situation was uh, when I was back at Mount Snow, and I had ordered, I think, like 700 chairs for the um, MBL, which would be the main base lodge, and um, they were coming like Monday before MLK weekend, M Martin Luther King. <laughs> Now I'm going to do the acronym thing all day. Anyway, and so we started getting rid of all the old chairs, and uh, we donated them to the community. Some had to be in the dumpster, and by the time that Tuesday rolled around, we were ready for the truckloads of chairs to come, and I had a team assembled, and we were going to um, put them together and have them in place by Friday night for uh, the big holiday weekend. And of course, they didn't arrive on Tuesday, and then we couldn't find them. The chairs actually arrived on Friday, and we had this group of people assembled, ski school, patrol, you name it. Everybody was there. Everybody was there to help. What we didn't think about and what I didn't think about, I was running around like a crazy lady, you know, ordering pizzas and everything, was actually stopping and having a training session. So now everybody's taking the chairs apart. Um, out of the trucks in different ways and assembling them and we got through it. It was probably 10 at night. We got through it and the next morning I came in 
and all of our guests were falling off the chairs because we never took the time to explain how to assemble them and more than half of the seats were put on the wrong way so they were slanted down and um, you know that's something simple that just goes back to nobody ever told me how to do it and and they were absolutely right we just said get it done instead of hold on we're going to take five minutes and figure out how to put this together that was great <laughs> i think when i left mount snow i was still finding a few of those chairs that were put on backwards <laughs> There's a lot of symbolism there. <laughs> um, Jay, uh, can you top that one? That's, that was pretty awesome. Well, I, I'm sitting here chuckling because we have a, uh, a small cafeteria project going on right now that we are replacing old 1980 seat cushions with, with new cushions. And I, I, I wrote a note <laughs> to, to talk to the food and beverage manager and make sure we're doing things uh, properly. Um, well, I, you asked me to think of an example, and I got so caught up in listening to Kelly's story that I didn't think too much about it. But um, I, I, I can think of a of a couple instances. Um, one uh, it speaks to the the email thing I, I touched on briefly before. Um, in my previous role working for um, all the properties for for Boyne, uh, working with one of our resorts. Uh, we had an overturn in staff. Um, we were looking for a terrain park manager. Um, kind of time was of the essence because you know they're a hot commodity these days, and um, we didn't we didn't want to wait so long. Uh, but you know it's summertime. People are on vacation, coming back from vacation. Somebody else goes on vacation, and eventually you're kind of like, geez, how how are we going to get this done? And when you see emails come across your desk, and um, you know somebody's on vacation and you're CC'd on it and you're like, well, not to me, but I'll I'll send a message. And I, I sent a message back to this HR person about, you know, no, not, not, we don't want to do what she was thinking. We want to do something else. And it was a perfect example of communication where, you know, really just pick up the phone and make, and, and talk to that person and make sure they understand what you're saying versus how, how it was taken, which was, a firm with big capital letters and an explanation point, no, like you can't do this. Um, it, it really was taken out of context. And, you know, we were talking about communication styles and things, but to me, um, the, the method or the media in which you're, in which you're communicating to people is, is just as important. And that, that situation there taught me a ton about, you know, an email could be really quick and easy, especially, you know, in my previous job where I was on airplanes half the time. Um, but a phone call is almost, is much more, um, much more important in, in situations where you want to make sure that the message is heard properly. Um, so that's, that's just one that I had thought of. That's really interesting. E email, there's loads of research and literature about effective and ineffective communicate, you know, communicating by email and Oftentimes that can, you know, it's a, it can be a trap, uh, a trap for for many. Uh, if, if things aren't quite received the way you intend to deliver them, it's, it could be. You no, know, and a lot of times too, it's it's about the message that you're sending, um, making sure that you're not they're not making assumptions about what people think or what people know. Um, 
and, and really taking the time to get the message across to them properly uh, with all the information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Appreciate that, Jay. Uh, Steve, can you share a story about when communication didn't go so great for you? Um, for, for me, it, the, the first uh, in a long line of, uh, of communication disasters with me started, uh, and Kelly was at Mount Snow at the time, it was when uh, I was working at Killington at ASC when <clears throat> within, the same, within the same week, uh, Sonny Bono and Michael Kennedy both, uh, both died on the slopes. Uh, and at the time, uh, Heavenly was owned by American Skiing Company, and I was involved with uh, PR and communications at Killington, sort of uh, doing some triage work for ASC communications at that point. And I don't remember anything specific, except I uh, was on the phone with a member of the press um, I didn't really have my story together to the extent that I probably should have. I took too lightly the notion that the, the, the press would take whatever I said uh, and turn it into into story fodder. Um, and I it sort of put some bad information out there that got into some regional papers. And you know, I take a step and I look at that now, and, and you know, sort of what Kelly had had talked about initially, this notion of preparing uh, and knowing your audience before you put yourself in a situation where you're going to misspeak. Um, had I done that at that point, I certainly would have come about things a different way. And that, you know, that notion of preparation before you talk to anybody, not, not just a, a member of the press, but if it's a member of your team, somebody that you work with, somebody that you report up to, um, it really, for me, it emphasized the need to get my shit together before I go and have a conversation with anyone. Yeah, that that it's it's so true that you know we've it's interesting how communication you know the topic of communication is already on this call um, fanned out to include so many things from you know email in-person communication. Someone, uh, we can mute, mute we may our have call. to have we may have yeah. to have someone who's got background noise just put a mute button on. That would be great. Bird. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, so, um, and I think, you know, communication could be someone's lifetime work or PhD thesis, but, you know, talking about all the different aspects and dimensions of it um, from, from you know, press relations, media relations, all the way through to, you know, you know, talking to your teams, communicating via email and all these kinds of things is really important because, you know, there there are some universal truths in, uh, to all this that that we can all boil down to and some of its lessons that we learn along the way. Um, one of um, so thank you all of you for for sharing that story and, and just being a little bit uh, open to uh, talking about uh, those those moments that, that didn't quite go as you had hoped or planned. Um, that in itself is a sign of leadership. Um, before we take the questions from our mentees, I would love to just ask Kelly a quick question, if if uh, if you don't mind. You know, half the mentees are women. Uh, and Kelly, I'd just love to hear a little bit from you about what you've learned along the way about communicating uh, as a as a female leader in a in a male dominated industry. Hmm. Wow. Um, well, luckily, most of the time, I don't think of it that way. I, I go back to the behavior styles, and I really try to pinpoint what makes this person tick. That is in front of me and, and how am I going to get through or, or, or share what I'm trying to share. 
Um, but there are times um, <laughs> when that um, when when you definitely feel like, well, to him, I'm just a girl, and um, and and that's 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 tough. Sometimes you just got to let it go and and just let them do their thing because you can tell that there's no getting through. Um, and I and what I do is I. Uh, try to get to the end um, result in a different way. It doesn't necessarily mean that meeting. You know, in my head, I'm thinking, how am I going to get this resolved? Well, I'll call the office tomorrow and I'll talk to so-and-so and I'll, and I'll let them know that we're going to send a groom, groomer over to the HOA and, and, and groom that trail. Um, but we're going to need to, you know, get reimbursed for that. But um, it, it's it's such a tough one. Um, I guess the only advice I, I I can give, you know, right off the cuff without really thinking it through, is that for many many years I didn't think that my voice um, uh, was was good enough. Um, and when I started believing in myself and what I had to say. Um, and that doesn't mean that I just talked and talked and talked because learning to listen um, is something that I am still, that's on my list of um, professional goals is, is to be a good listener. Um, I'm still working on it. But when I did decide to have confidence in myself and say what was on my mind, people would tell me that they um, appreciated the, me being candid. So be yourself. Um, I wish I had done that a little earlier in my career. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for thanks for rolling with that one. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's turn it over to the mentees now for for the questions that you've uh, thought of ahead of time. And uh, I'd love to turn to Eric, uh, Eric uh, Kurtzman, uh, who has a question that I think probably would be best for for Jay. Uh, you're also all welcome to join, you know, to chime in. But you know, let's uh, let's start with Jay. So Eric, do you want to uh, share your question? Uh, thank you, Paul. And Jay, I do have a great question for you. Um, before I ask it, I just want to say if it wasn't for Loon, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. I'm an East Coaster that grew up skiing on Loon's slopes on the weekends. So. Um, as leaders of the industry and your respective resorts, in your experience, what methods of communication have led to greater accountability and therefore execution, especially when attempting to reach a wide variety of departments? So what methods of communication are working best to help you um, communicate with a wide variety of departments? Um, well, that's a great question. And in, in, our, in our very short winters, as they seem, because I, I tell you what, they fly by. Um, it's going to be Christmas before I know it here. Uh, communication and getting it out to our whole group here at the resort. I mean, I, you know, middle of the winter we have 900 employees here and i would consider loon um you know a, a smaller sized resort on the grand in the grand scheme of things um but being able to communicate with that entire group and and all of the divisions that we have it's it's a daunting task for for anybody um so maybe some of the best ways to look at it is 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 starting small with your team uh everybody uh at least here at loon um, your direct reports, you know, we, we try to keep that somewhere around, you know, six to 10 people, let's say, um, and, and really focusing on driving the message. Let's 
from the, the office here. Um, but that message is also um, a byproduct of me and, and our senior team at the resort getting together and talking through our challenges and our, 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 our goals and our projects, our, well, goals for the winter, projects that might be more short term um, and, and how that all would impact the guests. So, you know, flushing that all out, but then we push that from, from myself and our team to our divisions and to those department managers within those divisions to help really get the word out. Now, you know, are you asking, is it, is it best, is it best served as, as email communications or face-to-face -face meetings? I think, you know, that goes back to a little bit of everybody's a little different and every, every leader that we have at the resort communicates and, and in takes in information in a, in a different manner. Um, and, and really our division leads, our senior team, you know, they, they know how their people work. Um, so we, we really try to leave it to them to do their thing. Um, th there are though, you know, there are some great tools nowadays to, to getting messages out there. And, you know, email is one, but as I mentioned with my, with my story, it can also be, um, it can also be problematic. Um, you know, app-driven services for, for um, emergency or, or critical communication or information sharing um, is, is an important one too. Uh, I, I think really it comes down to identifying what type of message it is and how, what the importance of it is, whether it's, whether it's, you know, emergency or safety, safety slash health uh, um, topic, or if it's, you know, just a communication about what our offerings are or for, for Black Friday. Um, that stuff's handled slightly differently, I think. So you have to kind of take all of that into play before you before you really push it out there. But when you are ready to push it out there, make sure that all the facts are together, that all the people, all the stakeholders that are involved in that type of communication have given you the information that you need um, in order to, to make sure that the message is completely accurate um, before it gets to everybody. Because you don't want to have to send it two or three times. So. It sounds great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Kelly, Steve, do you have anything to add? I, I mean, for, for me, all of this, you know, boils down to building uh, and strengthening relationships with your team. I mean, that's where it were for us and for me, historically, everything starts there. If you want to be listened to, then be willing to hear what your staff has to say. Be, understand what it is that they're concerned about. I think in our industry, it's very easy to pigeonhole different departments into different communication styles, right? Vehicle maintenance and mountain ops, they want just the facts. They, just, they don't want to bullshit around. They just want to get, uh, you know, they're old timers. They've been there a long time. They just want the facts quick in and out. And the reality is those departments are the ones that are, it's most important to build those relationships with because historically, no one spends the time to do that. Um, I've gotten, we've, we've made more strides here and actually having at building those relationships with, with those departments. It's done more for us than, than almost anything. And I think if I could say one thing, uh, one piece of advice, it would be to invest in building the relationships with your team and with your staff and with your peers um, and, and continue to invest energy and, and emotion into that. And I think good communication ends up being a byproduct of it. We'll be right back after we thank PodSAM and Summit Series partner, Leitner Palma. Leitner Palma of America moves people. Literally, that's what they do. They move people. They offer a complete line of cable transport systems from surface lifts to chair lifts 
to gondolas. Leitner Palma can design, engineer, manufacture, and maintain the transportation systems that get you to the top. Check out leitner-palma.com and touch base with the lift experts on their team. www.leitner-palma.com So we've got a question from Hunter as well. I'd love to turn it over to you, Hunter. Maybe your question would be great for Kelly first. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so stemming from different headlines, Irene, and the recent news story that went live on our resort, my question goes, you know, many times resort leaders have to make decisions that leave various parties unhappy, which often results in negative PR for the resort. What are some examples you've had working with this, and how have you sold the logic behind your decisions to broad audiences? Wow. That's a good one, Hunter. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll start with boilerplate and, and hopefully then I'll, I'll think of an example to add in. Um, so when there's sensitive stuff, um, usually there's a statement involved, there's a press release involved, um, there may be a, a meeting with the staff. It, it all depends on the situation. But um, I like to get a second and a third set of eyes on that. Um, I like to have someone who understands the content, the bigger picture, who can say, you know, Kelly, you really need to talk about this. Uh, and I also like to, you know, have somebody who has, you know, really good grammar editing skills uh, to make sure it goes out clean. Uh, I like to then think about the stakeholders and, you know, maybe you have um, an owner, uh, some, some corporate review that uh, needs to take place, legal review. Uh, maybe you're on public lands and there's forest service review or other stakeholders like an HOA. Maybe it's a supplier um, because you have a sensitive lift um, situation and I like to get their eyes on it. And then, uh, then my, my three prong is hit the button for staff, make sure they know first because the most embarrassing thing is when a staff member hears about it from the public, then give it a little time, hit the button on community and that community may be your pass holders, it may be the actual region you live in, you have to decide that, and then hit, hit the button on public. Um, that, that seemed to work well um, at Mount Snow. Steve, I'm wondering if you, if you could chime in uh, as well. Uh, oh, sure, shit. <laughs> Lots of examples here. We bring, up, <laughs> bring up the damn receivership again, why don't we? No, um, we only luckily have this is gonna, yeah, <laughs> luckily we can edit this, but no. Um, you know, the, what what started here with the receivership, um, you know, the first thing that happened, you know, the receiver sort of took charge. He wasn't he wasn't used to uh, stepping into an asset that was still viable. He was used to coming into businesses that went into receivership that were out of business. So there weren't an ongoing concern, so to speak. This this one was. So some of the things that he did um, – you know, where he would speak to the press um, sort of daily, hourly with uh, thoughts that he had about what may happen or what might not happen. He spoke very freely to the press. The press then took it and ran with it. The staff ended up hearing about those things in the news. The staff was uh, obviously concerned, uh, freaked out, panicked. Um, and then sort of we, we had to take a step back and really – you know, from a communication perspective, it was me talking to the receiver saying, okay, here's how we need to do this. 
Um, first and foremost, we have to stop airing this stuff out in the press. We need to, as, again, as we were talking about before, prepare ourselves a little bit with a strategy on how we're going to go out to the press. And then maybe if we could, uh, sir, uh, funnel everything through me um, so I can parse that with the staff before the press hears it. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I started to create enough of a relationship with him where I could parse what was real versus probably uh, what what really wasn't going to happen immediately and was further down the road. So I could make a decision on what to take to the staff versus what to keep back and what to hold back. So um, that was sort of a, a learning in the moment, um, you know, sort of a communication boot camp in terms of um, n not only how to get yourself through a crisis, but sort of managing up um, and getting what you need from somebody that technically you reported to uh, in order for you to make good communication decisions after that. You know? um, so we have one more question and, and we're, uh, we're, we're getting close to the, uh, the top of the hour. Uh, I wanted to throw it to Katie, uh, who's, who has a good question and I'm, it's, it's for everyone, but maybe Kelly, if you wanna start first, it would be great. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I guess um, as a recipient, I've been very, I value um, a direct form of communication when someone's, you know, communicating with me about my performance. Um, and I've found that many other people feel the same way. Um, one thing that I've also found is as a supervisor, I struggle being direct with people, especially when it comes to sensitive situations. So my question is, how do you deliver direct communication while still remaining empathetic and considerate of, of the person's feelings? Katie, that is such an awesome question. Um, it's actually one of my pet peeves um, when it comes to communication. It's, it's one of those things that I wish we taught kids in school how to do this because I struggle with the exact same problem and so many people I've worked with have struggled with that problem and um, it, it, it that's one of the other things that I'm working on is giving timely honest and constructive feedback um, so I'm sure that Jay and Steve will be able to give you a bit more <laughs> a, a bit better advice on this but um, it, it's kind of going back to what we've been talking about is being prepared um, and uh, really going in and and um, knowing exactly what it is that you need to get across and not attacking the person. So um, in one of those education uh, seminars that I went to, they, they uh, did an example where uh, let's say that somebody is um, constantly late for a meeting. Um, it's not attacking the person, but saying, when you show up at the meeting late, it makes me frustrated, and letting them know how it makes you feel, because sometimes I have to repeat stuff, and other people are making it there on time, so I feel like, you know, you're kind of cheating them out. Um, so that's how the way that I try to do it is never, you know, attack the person um, and always tell them how it makes you feel and exactly what that thing is that you want them to change or that is the problem. Yeah, uh, I'll jump. In. I'll jump in on that one if uh, that's okay, Katie. Um, I, I think the one thing that stood out to me at the end of what Kelly said, um, I was 
shaking my head absolutely is, you know, get communicating with the with the person um, how it makes you feel and what what has happened, how it implica- what the implications are on the rest of the team, and you would hope that that person would understand and and have some sort of empathy not only to your feelings, but then maybe even more so if they are part of your team and if they are a team player, what it does to to the rest of the people that they work for in the trenches, who they're sweating with um, and and going going on about their their day. Um, I I also struggle with with some of the direct communication. The things to to me, the the big pieces of it are um, being prepared you know, it's okay to be nervous about it, especially if it's a a really hot subject that you've got to sit down and talk with somebody about, you know, know that they're going to be nervous too. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, but it, it's almost always better afterwards if there's been open and honest communication and you've been a good listener just as well as, uh, as communicating, get your point across. That's great. Yeah, Katie, uh, that's great, Jay. This is Steve. Uh, I would, you know, echo that as well. I mean, it, nobody is good at this. <laughs> you've got the you've got the president of NSA saying that she's not good at it. Believe me, uh, there is there is nobody that's going to raise their hand and say, "Boy, I tell you what, I'm great at sensitive conversations. I love those." Um, and, and at the end of the day, your your ability to be honest um, and transparent with whoever you're speaking with. Um, your ability to be honest is going to be directly connected to uh, the likelihood that that person is going to change. And and when you have a relationship with your staff where honestly you want them to improve, not only for themselves, but for the department, like Jay said, you want to give them every ability to improve. And, and like I said, that's connected to your ability to be transparent. So just know that when you put yourself in a situation, in that situation where you're having a difficult, sensitive conversation, if you can be honest and if you can be open and, and transparent, the conversation ultimately is going to help the other person. Great. Thanks for the question, Katie. Um, so we have time for one more quick one, a little bit of a lightning round here, uh, you know, a couple of sentences. Uh, and we'll, we'll do this, uh, Steve, Jay, then Kelly. Uh, so uh, putting yourself, you know, back in time <laughs> to when, when you, you know, were earlier in your career, one more time. Uh, what is one uh, one piece of advice that you would want to uh, share with our mentees today? Uh, you've shared many pieces of advice, but one thing you'd like to be sure they leave with, so one last piece of advice from uh, Steve, then Jay, then, then Kelly. You know, everybody's talked about listening. For me, everything starts from there. We, t- we talked about the relationship building and the quickest way to do that. Um, to strengthen the relationships with the people that you work with and the staff that you manage, the people that you report up to is to listen to them and let them know that, that, uh, that what they're saying um, is worth listening to. I mean, people love to hear themselves talk and they love to get their positions out. Um, there's not a lot of people out there who really invest the time into becoming good listeners. So if you can, if you can figure out a way to really get yourself engaged with that, with improving on listening, boy, I think it goes a long way. I agree. Um, I, uh, to add, I think um, you're giving the respect to people that that you would like. Following the golden rule, we we you know it sounds a little cliche maybe, but we hold that pretty high around here. Um, 
you want to speak to everyone in the manner you want to be spoken to. Um, you want to be heard just as much as others want to be heard. And if you have a, me a message to communicate to people, you want to do it in a respectful way that anybody can understand and can help uh, in, in the end can help them get their job done um, by, by um, defining clear direction um, because they don't want to waste their time either. Uh, so I, I think it's important to, you know, always be respectful. Uh, think about the team. Um, when you get in, we spoke about difficult conversations a minute ago. When you get into those difficult conversations, don't take it too personal. Um, a little bit might be okay, but you know, people will see when they get under your skin, and and you have to be sensitive to that. So, um, I, I I think that's a lot of well, everything I just said is obviously important to me. Um, I. I the golden rule being uh, kind of number one. And um, and one of one of mine would be um, confidentiality. You know, really working on keeping it to yourself. It, it, it's paramount when you start managing people. You need to understand that you cannot be part of the gossip chain. And I learned this one the hard way also. <laughs> um, there will be times when you need to, you know, really talk through a situation and that's fine. So you have to find that group of people that you can trust and, you know, maybe it's somebody in HR. Um, it, but if that person leaks, it, what I would do is I just wouldn't trust them with confidential information again. It doesn't mean that they're not important members of your team and then that they're not doing great projects, but that confidence um, level it's really, really important. And the same is true with social media. The minute you be, start managing people and you, you reach that next level where you're a leader, every post is communicating to the rest of the world your position, whether it be on the food you're eating or this, this ski area. So it just um, it becomes a really important time in your career that you have to make the shift. And once you make the shift, it becomes easy but making the shift is difficult. We have successfully arrived at the end of the first episode of year two of the Summit Series. So I'm gonna make a small request. Please rate and review PodSam on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other mountain-minded folks find the show. And I know you have someone on your team who can learn from these industry leaders. So grab their phone and subscribe them while you're at it. We have five more episodes that will be released over the coming months, and you do not want to miss out. For more info on the SAM Summit series, visit saminfo.com or dig into a recent print edition of the magazine by subscribing at saminfo.com slash subscribe. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman. I am Sarah Bordeaf, and thank you for listening to PodSAM. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Bye.